What's up, y'all? Welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. And as many of you can see, we have a very awesome guest joining us today on the podcast. Oh, yes, it's the Dragon Slayer himself, Coach Benjamin Wade. He competed three times on Survivor. He's a longtime soccer coach. He's coached both men's and women's, boys and girls soccer, um, a very gifted musician, the man, the myth, the legend, the Dragon Slayer. Coach Wade, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Big namaste right back at you, my man. Oh, my gosh, Coach. It is so awesome to be talking with you. And I got to say, you might not know this. You might not realize this. This is the first time you and I have chatted with each other, hopefully not the last. But, Coach, you've interacted with two members of my family in the past. Is that right? Yeah. So I Come got, on, man. I got a picture here. This Come on. Here, yeah. This is my cousin, Zoe. <laughs> Do you have any idea when this picture may have been taken or where? Man, that's crazy. I don't know. That, that looks like it's in a mall somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah, this is in Reno in 2012. <laughs> I'm, I look the same today, man. Look at that. I, have a I got a little deep V going on in the, uh, in the sweatshirt. You can see the little chesty chest. You got to love that. You got another picture you can throw up or what? I, gotta, I actually have a video because you oh, were so God. kind. Yes. Last year, you made a video shout out for my sister, Laura, for her graduation. So that's what, dude, wait, is that where I recognize your name? Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. I'm telling you, when you message me, I'm like, who's this freaking clown? But I like the name, Jack Vita, Jack Vita. And it was just like cruising through my mind. That's awesome, man. See, look what a coach cameo gets you. huh? The coach cameo, which by the way, guys, if you want to get a coach cameo, he's on cameo for an affordable price. Get him for your friends. Highly recommend it. I'm going to play the cameo here, if that's cool. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, Jack Vita, nobody beats a coach cameo. I'll tell you, I challenge anybody out there, buy 10 cameos. If I'm not the number one cameo that you get, I'll freaking give you your money back. You can put that stamp on it right there. <laughs> well, we did. I put together a graduation video for my sister, Laura, and we got all of these people to say, congratulations, Laura, and you were so kind to submit a cameo for the video and my sister had no idea that you were going to be in this. So it really brought the house down when we were playing it. I'd love to play it for you here to remind you of what you said. This is great. Okay. Here we go. Laura Vita, what's happening? Coach Benway, the Dragon Slayer, coming to you. First of all, congratulations. My man Jack wanted me to give you this little shout out. I never do this, okay? Never. But for you, I'm making an exception. TCU, baby. Horn Frogs. Gotta love it. My favorite mascot since I was in college. Anyway, uh, congratulations, child life development. You're gonna go out there and slay it. And I just wanna say this, right? Always pursue your dreams. Never get a job for the money. Obviously you're doing that. And remember that you would take a job that you would go up and show up to work for free every day and volunteer your time. So I know that's where your heart is at. Remember, as you're looking for a job and as the world's gone crazy, remember this in James, it says, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters. The Greek word there is kairo, which means this, I'm trying to get this light off my head, it's like a halo. Oh. Anyway, um, it's like this all-encompassing love and this all-encompassing joy. So it says, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials and tribulations. And why is that? Because tribulations produce perseverance, perseverance produces patience. 
Patience produces character and character produces hope. Don't chase the dream and the ghost that the world sells, fame, power, money. Even love is going to make you happy. You got to be careful. Pursue first the kingdom of God and everything else is going to be added to you. Anyway, let's go out there and slay 2021 together. Big namaste. Oh man, that was amazing, dude. That was incredible. By the way, the lighting on that was terrible. That was the only bad thing about that video. That that made me look like, first of all, I was like, damn, I look 65 years old right there. That's terrible. (laughs) But that was good wisdom. You could take that to the bank there. That's awesome. Great wisdom. Coach, do you have a theology degree or something? You were preaching there. I got a a theology degree in life, man. Uh, You know, I've always been a philosophical soul. I know we're going to get into questions and everything. You just turn the camera on me and, uh, I'll just start talking, you know, Um, and I just, you know, like life is great. Life is beautiful. It's been up and down. People make fun of me my whole life, but I just bring the magic and the energy, that joy that we have inside of us. We got to radiate that to people. You know, I I ghosted social media my whole life, uh, you know, 10 years, whatever, since I got on, I really never applied myself. Pandemic happened. And I thought this is, this, people need something, man. Everybody's depressed. People at school were depressed. Colleagues were depressed. And uh, I just thought, you know, I'd just give some love out there. So I'm used to being made fun of. It's all good. But uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I look at life from a philosophical perspective. And I think that's why Survivor loved me. I think that's why 10 years after the show, things that I that I'm doing are still going strong. Cameo's going strong. Survivor keeps calling me. I'm retired. That's another story for another day, but I think that that philosophical approach and, you know, kind of the goofball approach because people didn't take me seriously and trying to be a warrior, all those different things rolled into one, they really can't duplicate me. I'm surprised they haven't. I know there's other people out there like me, but uh, they haven't replicated it yet. Good for me because that just makes my stamp and my longevity to go back for a Legends type season uh, more cemented. Well, hopefully we do get you on that legend season. Would you sign up if they called you tomorrow? Uh, well, they have called me and I have told them no. Um, it, it really depends. You know, I, I'm not out here to burn myself on shows. I'm not out there for that, right? I mean, I'm dedicated to my family. I'm dedicated to this. You know, the 40s was, was really all about cementing. Let's rewind. Teens, you don't know what the hell's going on. Okay. You're just trying to grow up, understand your hormones and, uh, you know, try to shag uh, as many things as possible out there and not talking about the carpet. But, uh, when you look at your twenties, you know, that's really where you figure yourself out. And if you actually leave your twenties, uh, without figuring out who you are, um, you're kind of screwed. I'm not going to talk about that now. I'm going to save that for, uh, I'm going to actually release five one-on-one coaching sessions, uh, in the month of, uh, August. And I'm going to put that out there. Uh, so I'm not going to spoil all the goods, but you got to figure yourself out in your 20s. Your 30s are about leaving a personal legacy of personal accomplishments and achievements. And then your 40s is all about cementing your generational legacy with your children. And, you know, if you're not doing that, you're kind of missing the mark of why we're here on this earth. Your 50s are about circling back around, reevaluating things, seeing what that next step is. If you want to take that risk, go back on Survivor, uh, do stuff like that. So the opportunities have been there. It all depends on on what it is. It would be hard to say no to a legend season. Uh, anything else, you know, I'm not really interested in maybe the amazing race with Tyson. Um, just because I think that would be a friggin' blast and people have talked about it. Um, but other than that, 
you know, I'm going to just remain reclusive and retired up in Northern California and focus on my community and my family. You got to be a part of pretty much the first, well, maybe the second, one of the original legend seasons, which was Heroes versus Villains. Do you feel like being a part of that season really cemented and secured the legacy and not just you, but a lot of other people that you competed on the show with? I think, you know, for me, people ask me that haven't watched the show, you know, anytime I leave Susanville, people are always stop, stopping and asking me. I got a big, uh, big, big crooked nose, <laughs> and I still got that same hairstyle. So I get recognized all the time. Um, it was funny. I was up in Reno, and I was with Adam Klein, and uh, he's a good guy, man. But uh, we were sitting on a couch, and somebody came by. They were like, Dragon Slayer, I'm such a big fan. He had just gotten through winning his season. And uh, <laughs> we were talking, and then they looked over at Adam, and they were like, wait, were you on Survivor? I'm trying to place who you were. So when people ask me, I tell them I won three times. <laughs> and uh, they haven't watched the show. And I say that because, you know, I'm very clear cut of my goals. I'm clear cut in being a life coach for other people to really understand what their goals are. And then to break that down and systematically approach that goal until you succeed. And, uh, and the first time I really wanted to be, I, and I told them in casting and they actually scolded me for it. I said, I want to be the best character this show has ever seen. And uh, they were like, don't say that. Lynn Spillman was like, don't talk about being a big character. Don't talk about the edit. Don't say that. I said, I'm just telling you, you know, I mean, I got some, I got some legend stories uh, from campus. I mean, uh, from, uh, from campus when I was on their little campus in the double tree and I just, man, there was some great stuff. I could tell you stories for days about what the kind of stuff that I did. And I heard from other contestants, they were telling coach stories in casting to be like this uh, for years after anyway. But, uh, you know, I just want to be a big character. And I feel like I, I accomplished that uh, the second time around. I just wanted people to think I was normal. You know, I mean, it was the only time in my life that really the negativity and people making fun of me got to me because it was like in my personal life, I feel like I am revered. I've got a huge um, influence my whole life of the people that are around me. And so going on Survivor and realizing that I, I didn't have that giant swath that I was cutting around me. And, uh, and so that was hard and it all kind of, you know, culminated in heroes and villains and Sandra making fun of me and me thinking, what the hell am I doing out here? If people are just going to make fun of me, I'm not here for entertainment. I'm not here because I want to be on TV. You know, I'm here to prove to the world that you can live life a different way. And so going into heroes and villains, I just wanted people to think that I was, you know, a normal guy. I wanted to show that sensitive side of me, which, you know, the funny thing is me and that scene with Tyson where, you know, I'm contemplating for a rough minute about quitting. Tyson giving me the, the wisdom, me not taking the wisdom, you know, me continuing the path of the dragon slayer. That was great stuff. And I think it made people realize, you know, maybe this guy has, you know, a heart a normal heart after all. And so I think it endeared some of the fans to me. It was great to be on that set that season to play with some legends. I mean, I had to, I didn't do very well. I feel like I could have done a lot better had Tyson not, not uh, voted himself out. I mean, we were strong. All the heroes wanted to play with me. I think, you know, if I do go back for a legend season, I see a lot of people wanting to play with me because they know I'm one sided. I mean, I'm a very easy to player to play with. You can beat me in the end. I'm friggin' one trick pony. I don't know how to do anything else. I go out there thinking, okay, can I do it different? Can I not make these promises? But I go out there and that's my, that's my uh, cloak. That's my armor. That's what I protect myself because we're all out of our comfort zone as much as it's fun to be out there and we're, you know, doing our thing. I hate challenges, never been good in challenges, really worked on that weakness in my game. 
Um, but I get out there and it's just like flip a switch, honor, integrity. And I'm like, don't say those two words. They're, I am tired of hearing those two words. And yet I'm just laying them out all the time. <laughs> what the heck happened with the Tyson when he got voted out? Were you guys all just absolutely shocked? What happened? Because it never really made total sense on TV. What happened there? Yeah, we had the game in hand. You know, we had the game in hand from the very beginning. And I said, look, you know, in a, in a, my perspective was in a, in a returning season, getting numbers to the merge is not as important as having numbers that you can trust. I know trust really doesn't come into factor that much anymore in Survivor, but I felt like I could trust Randy. I felt like he was the lone wolf out there, weak link, and we could bring him a long way. But Boston Robert didn't want to have anything to do with it. He was like, you know, Randy's a weak link. He's going. I thought the most dangerous person was poverty. Uh, fast forward some other episodes. And then, um, you know, we're going to tribal. We got the numbers. And, you know, Tyson just, I really don't know. I mean, I don't think that he knows. You know, he's really lucky, actually. And I say this with all love and respect because he's, you know, got to be my number one uh, favorite survivor that I watch. And friendship wise, but you know, he, he has a lot to thank me for. I turned down blood versus water. He was kind of a non-factor, um, you know, after heroes and villains, he did really bad. Um, and his stock really dropped down. He didn't think he was ever going to get the call back blood versus water. Um, you know, I basically at the end when they switched the date, messed up my wedding, then they said, well, you can, you know, this can be your honeymoon. I told him to piss off and uh, I was two weeks before they were going to leave and they called Tyson that day. And, uh, so he owes me a lot. Because I don't think he really would have been in the uh, alumni uh, of survivors anymore. So anyway, so I turned that down. He went on, but I don't really know what he was thinking. And he doesn't really know what he's thinking. I'm glad for him that he was able to move on and do this other stuff because leaving like that and having that stigma attached to you, you do a very irrational thing for no rational reason. There was no, uh, there was no gain of that. You know, Russell was going to go next. There was no rational reason. There was no jury pandering. So I really don't know why he did it. I think just in a weak moment, he was thinking to himself, I want to hedge my bets so that I can vote out coach. I can vote out Boston Rob because he was there to play. You know, I messed up his game the first time by telling JT and Steven what they, you know, what our plan was. So I think that at the end of the day, he was willing to cut anybody in that season to get to the top. And maybe that's why he was going to hedge his bets for a, hedge his bets for a split vote later on. Well, what would have happened if you guys were able to get through that vote, take out Parvati or Russell? Uh, I guess it would have been Russell because he left himself exposed. What happens after that? How does the rest of the season play out? Uh, you know, who knows? I know that, you know, you look on the hero side. I mean, who? who I'm not saying that this egotistically, but who would want to play with me? I mean, Tom wants to play with me. I know he got voted out early. Tom wants to play with me. Stephanie wants to play with me. Rupert wants to play with me. JT wants to play with me. You know, all those all those cats wanted to play with me. And part of that is because I'm so stupid out there. Part of that is because I just will set myself on the sword and uh, Harry carry myself. Um, <laughs> but they all wanted to play with me. So I think after that, we get to the merge. And, you know, I'm sure that uh, I mean, I'm almost positive. I would have been in the I can't I can't actually think of a variable of which I wouldn't end up in the final four. I, I just can't think of a scenario where I'm not in the final four. And it's too bad that, uh, you know, a mistake like that. It's a lot of luck. That's the thing that scares me about today's game is there's even more luck now. And um, so you've got so many variables, but that one thing can sink your ship. How many people get voted off early or earlier than making the finals? And uh, it's not even their own fault. You know, some 
wild thing happens out there. And somebody does something stupid and then you're on the bottom. After that season ended, I know Rob was pretty upset with you, it seemed. And I'm sure that other people, you, you went in that season, a lot of people knowing each other, and then you vote each other out. Were there a lot of uh, wounds, broken relationships that had to be repaired in <coughs> that cast in that season? And has that gotten better over the years? Well, I didn't know. I didn't know Boston Rob before I got out there. Um so I didn't make, you know, I wasn't making pregame alliances like everybody else. Yeah, you were new to the party because you were just on. Yeah, I just got that. done. So, you know, but I felt like we had a good bond out there. I mean, I really was bromancing with him. I mean, there's something about Boss and Rob, right? It's like, is he is he handsome? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that he's he's definitely got a little swag to him. He's he's a little bit handsome. He's a friggin' best challenger I've ever seen out there. I mean, even when he came into Winners at War and he was friggin' 55 pounds overweight, you know, and we were all thinking, damn, that guy's been eating some pasta. He friggin' champed it up. I mean, he's a great challenge beast. I, I, he, the competitiveness, I actually uh, haven't seen many people like that. That's the kind of guy that you take on your team. I would have loved to have him on my college team in any sport. Um, so I didn't know each. I didn't know him, but we did uh, bond really fast in the game. And, uh, you know, the day that he tried to quit and Propes came in and talked him out of it when he was laying on his back and said, the game's getting to me, you know, that really wasn't, nobody really talks about that moment. He actually wanted to quit, you know, and anyway, but I talked to him after that and as much as I could try to take him under my wing when, uh, he was really taking me under his wing. I was just stupid. You know, I didn't know all I could think about was not drawing rocks. If I could do it in hindsight, I would have forced it. And I would have told Jerry in front of tribal, Hey, Jerry, by the way, if you don't come over on our side, we're going to draw rocks. And I would have, I would have pushed it more, but I just didn't know about the game. I mean, I'd never watched the history of the game, right? You got to remember that it wasn't until I was 40, 45, 46, 47, whenever the pandemic was. And I, then my wife and I were like, let's watch survivor from start to finish. So we started with season one. I'd never seen it. Thank goodness I didn't ever see it before my first time or I would have totally played differently. You know, I, that first time was uncut, unfiltered, unedited, just like Epic Bourbon Tasting Channel. I just had no, that's my little <laughs> signature line. I didn't mean to throw that out there. If you guys want to Epic Bourbon Tasting, new YouTube channel that I'm doing, I freaking love it. Sharing bourbon and wisdom with the world. Anyway, um, so yeah, I wish I could have done that over again, but I was just too stupid to know what to do in that situation. And I just thought by you know, throwing my vote to Courtney that I could kind of appease Russell because that's obviously where the wind was blowing um, and try to scramble from from there on out. You mentioned that you had not seen the show before going on. Honestly, Coach, I think that's what's missing from Survivor today. I think that the show has, I'm curious to get your opinion, but for me, I was really drawn to the early seasons, the social experiment where you take people from different walks of life. They have no idea what's going on. They have to build a community together. The show is very much veered off of that. Most of the people they cast on the show now have watched close to every season. So they have an idea of how to play the game. What is your opinion in terms of as a viewer, as a, as watching the show, would you like to see more people who haven't watched or people who have watched? You know, that's a, that's a tough question because Jack, what do we want? Right. We want, it's like we want the past we're always reminiscing about the past you know this generation sucks our generation is better this next generation (laughs) is going to say the same thing about my grandkids um there's nothing like the first time there's nothing like a brand new experience that you don't know what's going on you know my first kayak trip where i was six months on the open ocean man that was freaking awesome dude 
Second trip, miserable. Third trip, even worse. You know, it's like you you do things, you get used to it, you start to expect the negative aspects, and it kind of goes downhill. Um, my first son pictures like crazy, like every day. He did this, he did this, he looked at me cute. You know, my third child in, it's like, yeah, hey, it was cool. You know, I still do videos and pictures, but it's a lot less. So in your in answer to your question, it's yin yang, right? Not yang, as bloody Americans say. It's yang. The Chinese say yin and yang, that balance that we have inside our organs, stomach, spleen, liver, kidneys that are all male, female, um, our sensitivity, our warrior statue, statue. Um, you know, that's what life is. And I think with Survivor, we need to see that progression as much as it sucks. 41, I, I stopped watching it. But then 42, I started watching. It was freaking awesome. I mean, there were some of the tribal councils, the one tribal council in particular, best tribal council, best moment, best tension that I've ever seen on any Survivor. I don't think if the show were doing 18 Survivors, no idols, same format, they'd be on the air. So they put in a new twist. People hate it. I'm going to stop watching. Then they pick up new fans. And it's like a, it's like a, you know, it's a train, man. You get on the freaking Survivor train or you're left behind. On the other side of that, I do think that people are too used to the show. Two people, people are too uh, rehearsed coming in. They're coming on the show and they're like, okay, I want to get this edit. And I've read this blog and I've gone to, and I've talked to this person. And so I think it is a little bit too much premeditated. Um, not for everybody, you know, Marianne, great story arc. She came in annoying as hell, had a great story arc, did uh, wonderful things. I was pleased to see her win um, because of that because of her growth out there. So you still have those people that are raw. Would it be better if everybody, if more people were raw? Absolutely. Would it be better if they did next season, 18 survivors, one idol in play per camp, old school. Yeah. And then go back to the twists and turns, but they have to continue to evolve or they wouldn't be on. I, I don't think they'd be still on the air. Well, I think that there's a lot of possibility with Paramount plus that you could do additional spinoff shows. So the challenge on MTV, which I figure maybe you're watching Tyson now on the CBS challenge. You watching that? No. Nope. No. Nope? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, it's just, you know, I, I, uh, I haven't gotten around to it. I'm going to, I, I filmed something in LA on Sunday and I meet a couple, I met a couple more of the cast, um, real cool guys. Um, James, Kalen, and I thought, man, these guys are, are straight up solid guys. We got some, we had some bonding and I thought, well, okay, for Tyson, hell, I've seen him so much. I don't need to see him on my TV anymore, <laughs> but for these new two new cats, I'm going to check it out. So yeah, I'm going to start watching it this week, we actually. Well, so they have, the challenge has been on for a long time and the MTV version has changed a lot the way Survivor has, but they also created this spinoff show called the Challenge All-Stars where they took all the old school people and now they do it on there and it's cut and shown a lot the way that it used to be. So I feel like there'd be a market for that if Survivor wanted to tap into that you could bring back some of the old school people who haven't watched in a while. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean again, I'm not and I'm not saying this to kiss ass. If Survivor ended tomorrow and I and I did not have that possibility of going on, there would be six hundred and eight people that would go into a serious depression thinking that from first boot to last boot that they were somehow gonna get a call back. I know I talk to these people. Um so I wouldn't care. I'd be relieved actually to tell you the <laughs> truth. Um so I'm not saying this to kiss ass. I'm not a sycophant, but they do I mean I think that they do a great job because they're still doing it. 
you can't fault them. It's easy to, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterback, the heck out of survivor, but superior court judge flew, uh, world war two airplanes, um, and was flying bombers in, in, uh, in Germany. He's a freaking legend. He lives in my town. He's 90, he's 98 now, but he it was really funny. I know I'm digressing, but uh, his name is Don Sokol. And um, has a picture of him flying the B-52 bombers and the tr- all the shrapnel and uh, anti-aircraft bopping off all around him. Legend. Anyway, he's a great narrator. And uh, he taught me that whenever you don't want anybody to interrupt you, you've got to interject something. Not that you're going to interrupt me, Jack. But uh, <laughs> it's like, but. So uh, anyway, because, you know, people start to tune out a little bit. But when you say certain bu- buzzwords, like, you know, yeah, there was this one time that I was doing this. However. And you pause and give a little emphasis. That's why I said the but. Anyway, but (laughs) I know that there would be a market for Survivor After Dark. I know that there would be a market for a spinoff show, Survivor Old School, host Coach Ben Wade. I know that there would be, you know, easy. The market is there. I mean, I'm, I'm watching stuff on TV. I'm always trying to find shows on TV. There's so much crap out there. Um, But. I know that there'd be a market for that. Would that shorten the lifespan of Survivor? That's the biggest question. But I know that people would watch spinoff shows of Survivor. Absolutely. Yeah, bonus content. Coach, when you got the call for the third season that you did, South Pacific, were, uh, tell me about, did you know it was going to be you versus Ozzy? I know Mike Scoopin had said at one point he thought he was going to be in the mix for that season, and he ended up doing another season. Uh, what were you expecting going in? How was that season pitched to you? I I'd just gotten through, um, premiering a ballet that I wrote and my girlfriend at the time who has become my wife, she choreographed it with her dance studio. So it made a pretty big splash in the, uh, in the dance world, new music, new choreography. So I'd just gotten through doing that. And, um, we were going on a, on a honeymoon, so to speak, because that was, that show was done. And I get the call as we're going up. Um, to Ashland, Oregon to go to a Shakespeare festival. And I get the call and they're like, you leave in two weeks. And I was like, what? Two weeks? And they were like, can you be ready? And I was like, well, I mean, if it, if it had been, you know, a month earlier, the answer was no, because I would have been, you know, doing this ballet. So the timing worked out right. They're very cryptic. They never tell you what's happening. I knew it wasn't going to be an all-stars because I didn't go down to casting. You know, usually that you go to casting, take the psych test again with a bunch of people. Well, they didn't do that. I did fly to L.A. It was just me. So I knew that it was going to be something where it was just a few people coming back. I thought it might be fans versus favorite. But then, like, I started, like, figuring out, seeing Russell and Rob, I thought it was going to be maybe two two returners. Convinced that it was me and Philip. Find out afterwards it was supposed to be me and Philip two big characters that most people think are crazy uh, to come down. That would have been amazing, by the way. I I wish it would have been Philip. If it would have been Philip, I would have won that game hands down. Uh, But just like with Tyson, you know, so the casting is always trying to find somebody that's not doing Jack squat, not Jack Vita, but Jack squat. And they're trying to find some, some bum waiter that doesn't have a freaking real job and is just trying to swan through life, filming threesomes and whatnot. (laughs) Fucking Hey man, Ozzy right there. Freaking grab him. No correlation. Nothing. I mean, get Ozzy and, you know, somebody else, right? It would have made more sense. Get me and, you know, even somebody like Rupert, two big characters. Um, and so I thought it was going to be me and Philip. I kept asking. They wouldn't tell me we were when we were in the airport flying to Australia. 
before we popped over to Samoa, uh, I see this long haired guy walk by and it was Aussie. And I got to tell you, I just, my heart just sank. You know, who wants this freaking old man? Even, I mean, I wasn't that old at the time, but who wants freaking coach? You know, it, who, who wouldn't want Aussie? But it was interesting, you know, Ozzy got voted out time and time again. His tribe hated him. Arrogant, frick, that's what that's their words, not mine. And uh, so it ended up working out good because not at the end, but it ended up it ended up working out. Uh, you know, I was much more a team player. Ozzy was much more individualistic. And as Mario pointed out, you know, that was kind of the, this theme uh, early on. So anyway, I think uh, it, it really it really it made me sad when I saw it. You know, because I know I can bring more to the table than Philip, but I knew I couldn't bring more to the table than Ozzy. But as it turned out, you know, we ended up, you know, going toe to toe and having the advantage going into the merge uh, because we thought about it as a team. It wasn't about what can coach do every challenge, because let's face it, coach can't do much every challenge. How can the team get forward to the next round? Ozzy, how can I look like the man? And I know you and Albert spent a great amount of time together. Was he your closest pal on that season? Yeah, I mean, I got I got nothing but good things to say about Albert. Somebody needs to go out there and just research upon uh, all the clips that I've said good things about Albert. You know, it probably gets lost in the shuffle. You know, we're 29 minutes in. So, you know, who's listening or skipping <laughs> or whatever? Albert's probably Everyone. not even listening right now. But, you know, I mean, to me, uh, he's the most underrated survivor that's ever played the game. If it hadn't been for Ozzy, if Ozzy would have said it, you know, the final tribal, Ozzy stands up and says, Coach, you're absolutely full of shit. Nobody likes you. You're a low hard. You know, da 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 da. And uh, I want you to go through this entire tribal without saying the words honor and integrity. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go. Th- All right, I understand your question. I'm going to try to go through the tribal without saying honor and integrity. I don't think anybody. I don't think any of this made it. I've not watched that final tribal council. I get PTSD when I see other final tribal councils. I'm a rock. I don't get affected by much for some reason. I can't bring myself to watch that final tribal. So I don't know what all made the edit, but as soon as I said those words, Ozzy looks at the jury and he just was like, Oh, do you see this guy? Oh man, this guy's frigging da, 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 da. Then he looks at Albert and says, by the way, Albert, you're a complete non-factor in this uh, final tribal. You know, at that point being on the jury, smoking dope every day, you know, getting his little group together, in a uh, in a blazed out haze, you know, he could sway him over at that point. He couldn't during the game. They couldn't stand him. And so it's unfortunate for Albert. Albert and I went into that final tribal council saying, man, it's between you and I. Ozzy stated two episodes early, Sophie, you're a pretentious bitch. You suck at this game. You've checked out for two weeks. You literally sat on the beach and cried for two weeks straight. You don't participate in camp. You don't participate in this. They couldn't get any good confessionals out of her. So she wasn't even a factor. But when Ozzy gets at the end and starts preaching and says, you know, coach, you're a fool. Albert, you're a non-factor. Sophie, it's your, you know, your game to win. That set the die in motion. So, yeah, Albert was my closest ally. Sophie was a close second. And um, and uh, Ozzy was dead last. How about you run the amazing race with Albert? Would you do that? I do. I think I might do that, actually. If Albert made that happen, I might do that with Albert. It's funny because, you know, I travel. I love travel. I would do the imagine. I would do the amazing race just to travel the world on somebody else's time in a frenetic way. You'd never travel like that in your real life. You know, I, I, so I might do that. Albert and I would be good. We'd be great TV. I mean, we were from the very beginning, you know, it's just every much me 
trying to coach the team as Albert being a great assistant coach, validating me as a coach and going out there and, and winning a lot of the challenges for us. I called wow. him G-Dub out there for game winner. That was his nickname for me. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'll mention our other mutual friend that we had chatted about before we got going here. Mario Lanza, he had a question for you. And he would like to know, is it easier to coach men or women when it comes to soccer? That's a great question, Mario. Mario Lanza, funny. 115. Greatest piece of writing oh, on the internet today. Go look for it, okay? Anyway, so uh, Mario, let me tell you, I actually wrote my dissertation, my doctorate degree, uh, University of London. That's another story for another day. Uh, differences between motivating men and women in the collegiate setting. Example that I gave, you take 20 guys and you line them up on the touchline and you say to them, you know what? 18 of you guys suck ass. There's only two guys out here that are doing a good job. All 20 of those guys will say, I'm the two that's doing a good job. He's certainly not talking to me. You take 20 women and you line them up and you're like, 19 of you are doing a great job. One of you has really let me down. You're going to have 19 girls coming to you after practice, sobbing and saying, coach, I know one time six weeks ago in the cafeteria, I looked the other way when you said hi. And I know that you're talking about me. So women want to be led men. You got to break in half and then build up again. Which one do I like coaching better? I think the best time I know it's a bad answer. I'm chickening out. The best time I had was coaching both at the same time. You're on the men's field and you're like, man, these guys don't give two rips about me as a person. I can't wait to coach the girls practice because I know they really care. They really want to be led. Get to the girls team. You got to be a little bit careful with your words. You can't put them on full blast. And you say to yourself, you know, maybe they're on their menstrual cycle or whatever. So it's an off day where the guys, they can step on the field and just immediately be focused. Girls, you got to take 30 minutes to get them focused and to do this. Not everybody stereotyping. I'm going to get crucified for this. But then on the girls' side, you're like, man, I can't wait to get out to the guys' practice tomorrow. I can freaking let them have it, and they're going to love it. So you just waffle back and forth. I would say equally, <laughs> I enjoyed coaching them. From a competitive standpoint, at the end of the day, I'd rather coach men. From a leadership standpoint, I'd rather coach women. Josh Harding, I don't know if you know him. Oh, yeah, Josh Urban Harding. Gorilla, baby. Yeah. Urban Gorilla. Uncaged Gorilla. Uncaged. Thank you. Urban Gorilla is the name of a fake Hummer. Sorry. Uncaged <laughs> Gorilla. That's my man. Josh is my man. Let me tell you, what does he got to say? He wants to know what aspects of being a conductor or what aspects of being a coach helped you on Survivor. It seriously hurt me the first time, right? You step on the soccer field as an NCAA head coach. And if you say, hey, guys, what do you want to do? I think maybe we should run this formation. Uh, it's a 4-2-3-1. I think they're playing it in Spain, and maybe we can do it on our team. No. Okay, hey, listen up. You look at the ground, you're friggin' cut. Look in my eyes. We're going to play a 4-2-3-1. Spain plays it. This person does this. This person does this. I've been coaching for 20 years. 900 winning percentage. That's why we're going to run this formation. You always got to be right. You got to have that sense of you got to be the alpha male every single second because these guys – no matter where you were at the end of the season, no matter how much they respect you, we'll try to put one over on you. So it hurt me in the beginning. Um, being a symphony conductor just made people laugh at me. Uh, but I think as I came down the home stretch, you know, I started playing Survivor a little bit more like a symphony conductor because it was like, I got to get these people to play together. We all have our differences. I got to get everybody to play together. 
I got to look to see who the one person is that feels ostracized, usually the bassoon or the oboe. And I got to bring them into the fold and make them feel valued like Cochrane. And so I think that, that being a, a conductor helped me in the long run and being less of a university soccer coach. Um, but at the same time, when it came to challenges, that soccer coach came out. What are you up to right now? You've got a family. How many kids are you coaching, teaching? What What have you been up to since the last time we saw you on TV? Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, like families first. I said when I was 38 and they were like, okay, for your cast bio, you ever been married? Nope. Ever had kids? Nope. You ever going to get married? Nope. You ever going to have kids? Nope. I mean, I was adamant about it. Bachelor for life. <laughs> Met my wife, her nine-month-old son, fell in love with both of them. Um, changed my life. I became more empathetic, more sympathetic. I tapped into that sensitive side that the world beat out of me when I was in uh, middle school and high school. And it was, it was a really great 180, no pun intended. Greatest movie you'll never see. Anyway, so, um, you know, I'm thinking that's my focus. That's my 40s. So I got a great family. I got three kids, uh, five, eight, and 13. I'm hesitant to leave them on any type of long season. Um, I have, uh, a great team that I'm coaching competitive team that my son's on. We go to Reno, uh, the college of the town that I live has asked me to come out of retirement. I'm trying to figure that out. If I want to do that, I, I, I built a recording studio and, and restarted the music program at a local high school. Um, and so that's kind of like my job. It's interesting. I never want to be a high school teacher, uh, but it's where I'm supposed to be. You know, when you can find out the right place at the right time where God wants you to be, in the center of that target, there's nothing more fulfilling in this life. And so that's what I'm doing. I, I still conduct the symphony. We're going on our 19th season this fall. I'm still doing stuff. I like being in front of the camera. I filmed something uh, that's coming out this fall. Um, filmed that last weekend, but I'm very selective what I, what I take. Uh, I do epic bourbon tastings on uh, YouTube. And I also started this new thing. It's a social token on minted. And, uh, it's, uh, it's awesome. I think it's actually the next, the, it's the next big thing with celebrities interacting with their fans. It's like the ground floor. It's like social token meets NFT meets, um, cryptocurrency, but it's not focused on cryptocurrency. It's not like an investment, but you can end up making a lot of money. Think about it. I, I, my, uh, stock started at 10 cents and, uh, it's at a dollar. One of my buddies bought a thousand, uh, tokens so he made he went from doing what that's uh, 10 bucks and he's now got a thousand bucks uh, in the bank i think my 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 stock will probably go to 100 so he's going to have a hundred thousand dollars from a ten dollar investment um, but it's not crypto but it's a really cool thing that's actually the platform that i'm going to use to um to uh do this one-on-one -on -one, five one-on-one -on -one life coaching uh sessions so i'm going to do that through that platform so i'm doing that and uh you know just waking up every day throwing a few cameos out there and uh dream goal getting on the jack vita show there you go <laughs> we love it coach i know you've coached at the college level you're not coaching at the college level right now correct i mean they're they're asking me to yeah i have tentatively said yes but you know the thing about coaching college man you gotta be you gotta be you gotta be in that it's hard to have a family and do that so i retired when i had uh, my wife became pregnant with our third I was commuting six hours a day up to Lake Tahoe Community College. We had one of the best teams in the nation. Uh, great job, great campus, loved that place. We just didn't uh, feel right about moving there. So I ended up retiring 
after my 22nd season, did a stint in semi-pro, won the conference, uh, won the Pacific Premier League, blah, blah, blah. And uh, then I retired. So I don't know. You know, they keep asking me at the high school to coach high school. I got no interest in that, in that really. Um, but, you know, no, never say never. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on how college sports are changing right now. We've got big conferences aligning. We've got USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 and now moving to the Big Ten. We've got NIL, uh, where players can make some money while they play. What are your general thoughts on how college sports are changing, what the future of this thing is? Yeah, first of all, the co the uh, conference realignments, what the heck, man? I mean, that sucks, dude. Pac-10, forget about the Pac-12. I grew up, it was the Pac-10 and the SEC. You know, weren't any friggin' Texas schools in the SEC. Texas is the south of the country, but they're not. You know, somebody asked me the other day, they're living in Texas, and they're like, you know, do people from the south consider Texas a southern state? And I was like, of course not. You know, the people that live in a southern state, I grew up in Tennessee. And, you know, the south is people that, you know, fought for the Confederacy. That's like that lineage. My parents were from California. So, you know, I'm not a Southern boy per se, but in the North and the South, that was divided by um, who joined the Union and who joined the Confederacy. My high school mascot was a friggin' rebel. We had a rebel flag, you know, and General Robert E. Lee was running around uh, with a beard and a costume. That was our friggin' mascot. Well, we didn't mean anything by it, but it's like, that's the South. Texas is not the South. So anyway, um, it's crazy. It makes me sad. Um, I don't like to see that as far as players getting paid. It's such big money now, you know, of course I could easily just say like everybody else, it's bad, but you know, you look at these, you look at these pro players, they make a million a year for 10 years, $10 million. You know, I'll make $10 million in my lifetime, but I'll have a good pension and I'll have a bunch of other stuff. You know, I think that, I think that professional athletes, people assume that they're just, you know, going to live a, uh, dream life for the rest of their life. And it's, that's not the reality. A lot of people don't even make it into the pros. A lot of people get injured and they're never drafted. So I think if they can make some money outside of their scholarship, I'm not against it. I know that might be controversial. It has definitely changed. The landscape has definitely changed. I miss the good pure days when you say that, then of course you think about in the eighties when SMU was cheating their ass off to get all their players. Like, hell, it's always been there. It might be like smoking marijuana in California. I don't do it. I don't really agree with it. It's legal now. So hell, you know, people have only been doing it. Now it's just legal. So now these athletes are going to make money the legal way instead of, you know, sneaking it under the table and getting busted by the NCAA. What sports teams are you a fan of? Sports teams. Well, uh, when, the, when the Dodgers moved from Brooklyn to LA, uh, my grandparents got season tickets. And I think my uncle still has them. We have, we literally have the best seats in the house because they were season ticket holders for 60 years, 70 years, however long. So I love the Dodgers, love the Lakers, been at game seven, Magic Johnson and James Worthy and uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, friggin' loving those times. Uh, because my parents were from L.A., that's really, you know, kind of where I go. I love um, West Ham United in uh, English Premier Football League. I love uh, Man City. I love uh, University of Tennessee Volunteers. That's my number one, man. That's my alma mater. I grew up seven minutes from that campus. My father taught for 45 years mathematics as a professor at that school. I uh, love the Ottawa Senators. I don't know how that ever happened. Um, <laughs> the Kings and the Ducks and all those people are too new, so I never really got on their bandwagon, although I, you know, I would go and watch them. But uh, Ottawa Senators, Montreal Canadiens, um, for some reason, you know, I dig that. So there you go. That's Buffalo it. Buffalo Bills too, right? 
Bills. What's that? Buffalo Bills. Are you kidding me, man? We didn't even get to football. I'm going to tell you something right now. Yeah. Go Bills. I freaking love the Bills, man. Actually, I was supposed to go play the national anthem uh, at their stadium for a game on my oh trumpet. Oh, my gosh. But uh, COVID was going on, and and uh, we never made it work. But uh, maybe one day I'll, I'll circle back with them and make that happen. This feels like a big year for them. I mean, this is the last year with Josh Allen on that rookie contract. He makes 16. He's a $16 million cap hit in 2022. Next year, that cap goes up to 40 is what he's going to be paid annually. So this feels like the year. They had that crazy game last year where they should have beaten the Chiefs. Really, that was a coin flip game. Got decided by a coin flip. This is a big year for the Bills, man. Yeah, I, I apologize about that Kansas City game. Actually, I did not post on social media. They went on a they went on a huge uh, winning streak when I started posting. When I started doing a little trumpet stuff, you can go back and look at my Instagram account and verify that they went on this huge hot streak. And I didn't post before that game. I, I apologize to them. Why didn't you? Well, I don't doing? know, man. I, I was like traveling somewhere. I'm going to tell you right now, it might have been because I was a little bit pissed at them because they didn't uh, fly me back for the national anthem. But uh, or, or maybe I was traveling. Something happened. It was a little bit crossways that moment. But if they really want to win the Super Bowl next year, I better get a phone call because I tell you right now, if I'm playing the national anthem at any time in that stadium, the Bills will win the Super Bowl. I'm going to put my stamp and my freaking word of honor on that. You can take that to the bank, Jack Vita. Let's go. Dodgers winning the World Series this year? Oh. Nope. <laughs> By the way, my wife's calling me. Decline. <laughs> so I do need to grab that. You know, I got to go here in a second. But yeah. I'll say yeah. this. Dodgers winning the uh, – winning the uh, – uh, World Series, no. Lakers winning the uh, winning the NBA, but yes, I think okay. they are. Yep. All right. The last question I have, it's a deeper philosophical question. You're the coach. What would you tell to a young person like me? Now, for me, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus, and I've, I'm on that path. I feel like I've got a good guide for where I'm going. But a lot of people are young. They're struggling. It's been a rough time in the world. What would your advice be to them who are trying to find their footing and where they're going? What would your coaching advice be? Well, I'm not going to spoil my my top five. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spoil that. I'm not going to spoil my top five yeah. people I'm going to mentor. But I'm going to tell you this. It's very simple. I go down to the bank today and I put in $10,000. I go tomorrow, I'm going to pull out that $10,000. If I go to the bank today and I give them a bowl of crap and I go to the bank tomorrow, they're not going to let me in the bank. But if I wanted it back, I'm sure I could get that bowl of crap somewhere in a dumpster. What you put in, you're going to get out of life. What you put into your soul bank is what you're going to get out. So you got to ask yourself, what garbage are you putting in? Where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are you selling yourself? What's your, what's your cost? What are you selling out to? I'll tell you what, 99% of people in America right now are selling out to waking up, turning on their cell phones, and sitting there for 30 minutes and effing around on social media, chats, games, news feeds. In two years with COVID, three things happened. We got a new president, COVID started, and a vaccine happened. 
And yet people were spending hours every day getting depressed, looking on social media. Get off your phone. Put your treasure into something that is going to add value to your soul. You hit the, the nail on the head. But it, it's not just in that. And I and I appreciate you coming out and and saying that and just you know right to the right to the punch, um, but that's the that's the nuts and bolts of it. And I realize that too. You know, I don't have it all figured out. I really don't. You know, I mean the the pandemic happened and I um I started doing that same thing. That's why I realized it was a bad it was a bad uh, mojo to get on your phone for that amount of time. Usually I'm working. Usually I'm doing stuff. Those two weeks of quarantine, I started getting more depressed and more angry. And I'm not like that. I'm a very positive person. And I realized that it was because the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God. I said that on that cameo. Seek first. I'm sorry. What are you seeking first in the morning when your brain is at the most absorption minded? It will be all day because you've just woken up. What are you putting into it? And so I realized I was seeking everything on my phone and having that quiet time in the morning for 30 minutes will revolutionize your life. That's what the priorities have to be. Amen. You're putting in hate, negativity from news feeds, from television shows, from whatever it is that you're grabbing from your friend set. You're putting that into your heart. What are you going to right? What are you going to put out of your heart? That same kind of garbage. Bam. Look at that. The Bible. Read the Bible. So good stuff. All right. Good man. Thank you so much. This was incredible. All-time great episode right here. Probably our most listened to episode ever, if I do say so myself. That's my prediction for this episode when you have a legend like Coach Ben Wade, the Dragon Slayer here. All right, Coach, I want to give you a chance. Plug everything that you got going on. How can people follow this stuff that you're going to be putting out there? Bourbon reviews, coaching lessons, and then social media. Give us a quick rundown. So uh, minted, M-I-N-T-T-E-D dot I-O. That's the new wave of the future. Trust me on that. Uh, I'm on there. That's where I'm going to do my coaching stuff, my one-on-one life coach. Um, the underscore real underscore coach for all of us dinosaurs that are still out there on Twitter. Uh, Dragon Slayer Coach on Instagram. Epic Bourbon Tastings on YouTube. Uh, Benjamin Coach Wade on Facebook for those of you who still use Facebook. And uh, here I am. Come catch me if you can. All right. That's awesome. Coach, thank you so much for your time today. This was great. Oh, and another thing, you should go out and check out uh, the SusanvilleSymphony.com. The cool website. We just revamped our website. And uh, anybody, I'm going to tell you this right now. Anybody wants to come up to a concert in Susanville, I'll buy them coffee. A lot of people come from Reno. I had somebody, oh, I had a, a great, um, great couple that came up. We had coffee together. We spent probably two and a half hours together the day after the concert. They came to the concert with t-shirts that were mimicking my tribal council for the dragons uh where i came as a jury member they had a sleeveless shirt it said dragons with a z on it a green shirt freaking classic they came up to me after the concert and i was like wow and they dreamed up they were sitting there in covid freaking depressed out of their mind watching survivor and they looked at each other and they were like after looking me up online they were like wouldn't it be crazy if we drove from oakland it's actually giving me chills right now thinking about it because this is what life is about man this is why i went on survivor i didn't go on survivor to be a famor. i went on survivor so i could have a an enhanced platform to reach out and try to give people joy and magic and uh some type like that in their life and love anyway so um they were like they looked at each other and said wouldn't it be crazy if we drove up 
to Susanville and watch a concert and hung out with coach. They dreamed that up in COVID and then they did it and they came all the way up there and they just said, you know what it meant to them to have, to have sat there when the world was at its lowest and to dream something up like this and then for it to go to fruition. So you want to come up and see a Susanville symphony concert? You won't have 45 minutes, Jack Vita. You have three hours, man. Let's go. Yeah. All the way from Chicago. I'll have to make it to happen. Some point. Love it. <laughs> Coach, thank you so much. This was great. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. All right, y'all. That concludes my conversation today with the Dragon Slayer himself, Coach Benjamin Wade. What an awesome conversation. I hope you guys got a lot out of it. It was really cool hearing from him. And he's a guy who really doesn't do many podcasts anymore. He said, he told me before that he had retired from podcasting, but he was making an exception because of Albert, uh, because Albert's the man and we love Albert on this show. We've had Albert on so many times. So uh, thank you to Albert and thank you to coach. It was great talking with him today. We had a very interesting conversation about a lot of topics. We've had some great episodes over the last few weeks. I'd encourage you to check out last week's episode with Jessica McCain France from the real world Portland and the challenge on MTV. It was great. It was a lot of fun. And we talked some really interesting faith stuff. Great story of how God worked in her life and just an awesome episode. So I hope you'll check that out. Make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita show, wherever it is that you get your podcast is if it's here on YouTube or if it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, please hit subscribe. It'll be great for us moving forward, and we can get some more people listening to this show. Share this with an share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media. Tell your friends about it. Send it over to them. Get them subscribed. And we're going to be back next week. We've got a former WNBA player coming on the show, Shanna Zolman, who played at the University of Tennessee. And I'm excited to talk with her. She played for Pat Summit and won a national championship in 2006 alongside Candace Parker. And she is also a woman of faith. So you're not going to want to miss out on that. We're going to have some more great guests throughout the summer. Should be a lot of fun. So make sure you guys all subscribe to the Jack Vita Show. And until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters.